I had a word for you today. I got a word for you next week. You don't want to miss next week. Next week is, is going to be, I believe, revelation to a basic concept of Christianity that is going to blow you away. And then in two weeks, I'm going to start teaching and preaching on the person of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to miss. I'm going to preach through the end of January, February, on into March. You don't want to miss some of what I'm going to teach you about the Holy Spirit. I believe this is the year for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm believing everyone to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. We've had recently in our church several people baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how important that is. But for today, I want to teach to you and preach to you on the subject of fasting for breakthrough. Now, before anybody thinks I'm throwing Christian cuss words at them, hear what I'm saying. Fasting's a dirty word in the church. I know that. And the reason is because we don't want to sacrifice. We don't want to kill self. We don't want to hurt King Belly, right? Amen. Poke your neighbor and say, it's time to kill King Belly. But I, I want to share my heart with you about fasting for breakthrough because I want to I tell you some of the greatest breakthroughs I've ever had in my life come through fasting. Fasting is a principle that God put in his word that Jesus did, that Jesus endorsed, and that he expected the church to. And Jesus did not. The idea of whether or not we would fast never entered Jesus Christ's mind. He constantly said, when you fast, when you're fasting. He expected his church to fast and pray. And I'm telling you, it is a principle. It is a, a, a discipline, if you will. It is a teaching of the church that has gone by the wayside. And it is one of the most powerful tools I believe we have. So I want to tell you, there's version notes if you've got them. And I want you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. At the end of this service, we're going to have special prayer for people that need to be healed. We have Tanya Mills having surgery tomorrow. We have some people that have real ailments. By the way, I saw Steve Hoskins Saturday, and he looked great. In fact, I said, Steve, how you doing? He said, good. And he stopped. He said, no. He said, I'm doing great. He said, you would not believe what God has done for me. He looked just, just like Steve. His countenance was great. His coloring was great. For those of you that don't know him, I, I understand. But uh, for those of you that do, just keep praying for him and and we're going to have prayer at the end of this service. Amen. So turn up your Bibles, if you would, and stand for the reading of God's Word to Matthew chapter 17. And please don't tune me out saying right off the bat, well, I ain't fasting, so I don't want to hear this. Or I'm not interested. Or here we go again at the first of the year with another fasting message and, and blah, blah, blah. I want you to open your ears and hear what the Spirit is saying today. I want you to hear this message as if you've never heard a message on fasting before. I want you to see the scriptures and the things I'm going to present to you today as if you've never seen them before. And we've got a couple of little videos that I've got towards the beginning of the message. When those are over, we'll bring the house lights back up. But for the purpose of the videos, we're going to leave them off for now. But I want to, I want to, I want to start in Matthew chapter 17. If you've got you version, you can pull those up. You can save those notes. They're great. And I'm going to be reading out of the NASB. That's a New American Standard Bible. And if you, if you talk to theologians and pastors today, they'll tell you this is the most accurate translation of the Greek and Hebrew that we have in English right now is the NASB. It's very, very accurate. All right. Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 21. If you got it, shout out a good amen. amen. I'm only using this as a text, but I want you to see a principle that I'm going to preach about throughout this message. 
When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. Now, some of you right now are thinking, well, I have a son like that. No. (laughs) Some of you may be thinking the lunatic's right next to you. If you are laughing, you think that way. If you are not, they think you're the lunatic. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He is a lunatic and he's very ill for he often falls in the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, you unbelieving and perverted generation. I mean, Jesus was, he was hot. How long shall I be with you? That's not good when Jesus says that. (laughs) How long shall I put up with you? That's strong words. Bring him here to me, he says. And Jesus rebuked him, not the boy, not the father, it rebuked the demon. And the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, Because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. But watch verse 21. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and there are some things that you will simply not get free from until you fast. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the truths you're going to teach us, God. Father, give us childlike eyes and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying today. Lord, I pray that we will see the scriptures as if we have never read or seen scriptures on fasting or praying before. God, I pray that you would fan the flame within inside of us. And I pray, God, that we would hear what you are saying. Anoint me to preach forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. Let this seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Hold your Bibles up in the air, whatever form it is, if it's on your phone or if it's on your iPad or if it's a paper Bible. And let's let's declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen, amen. High five two or three people as you're being seated. Amen. Again, we'll get the main lights up here in just a few minutes. But I, I want to tell you, this is, a, this is a crazy world we live in. I mean, you, you see even, I don't have to tell you if you've got the news on at all. You've seen the, the, the overtaking the embassy and all that and the general dies. And, but there's other, there's other stuff that's going on that the general public typically doesn't know or they're very not much aware of. I want to show you this video of AI, artificial intelligence, Sophia. Take a look. These robots are so incredibly made now that they can have regular conversations with you. People are going nuts over this. The first citizenship to a robot in Saudi Arabia. What in the world were they thinking? These robots are smarter than us. They compute faster than us. 
They're there in, in many, many ways. Their minds, their, their computer programming and so forth. Uh, they're so adept. They're, you watch other videos. I, I studied several videos on this. Uh, they can blindly just have conversations. You can ask them how they're doing. They'll, do, they'll have facial expressions, the whole deal. It is such a pandemic now across the world that people are buying sex robots now. And there are people, there's one man that is so in love with his sex robots, true story, you can find it on the internet, you can read about it, uh, that he wants to divorce his wife and marry his robot. These robots can be purchased, especially sexual ones, I'm sure you've heard about this, and I know people get a little funny when you talk about this stuff in church, but folks, this is the real world we're dealing with, and we need to be fasting and praying for revival, Amen. You got people out there, they're ordering their sex robots. You can order their hair color, their eye color, their complexion, their bus size. You can get whatever you want. And they're falling in love with their robots. That's a problem. How do we as Christians and churches deal with this kind of thing? If you think that's bad, I, I want you to watch this next video. And I, I just want to tell you, I'm going to forewarn you, this next video is scary. If you have children here, you may want to cover their eyes. Uh, this is freaky what you're about to see what our military is capable of. Take a look at this video. You wipe out half of a, a city and you saw what they did to four people and they got thunderous applause from people that thought this was a good idea. Folks, this video is two years old. If you don't think we need to be fasting and praying and seeking God, we need to be. Folks, it's, this is serious. And I know some of you are looking at me, Pastor, why would you show that? Because I don't think we realize how bad and dangerous the world really is. Can you imagine that in the hands of Osama bin Laden? My God. A hundred times faster they can compute information than our brains can. They're lethal. They, you, the list goes on and on. So we need to pray. Amen? We need to fast. Uh, Y'all are looking at me like I've just totally lost everything here. My marbles are gone. Folks, if you're not aware of some of this stuff going on, I wanted to bring this to your attention because, folks, if you say, well, you're scaring me, Pastor. Good. We need to be scared right to our knees and to seek the face of God. This world needs revival. Amen. We need revival. So number point number one is this. Fasting opens your spiritual ears to hear God's voice. How many of you want to hear God's voice? God said in his word he would speak to us. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my what? My voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. They're in the same way with. They walk like I do. We can hear the voice of God. I have a question for you. Do you want to hear the voice of the Creator? Do you want to know Jesus more deeply? Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Do you want to know direction and answers to questions you have? Because every, every assignment has a birthplace. Every assignment, every call of God, every direction has a birthplace. So questions that you come up, we know how, how will you discover these assignments? How will you know what the plans of God are for your life? How do you know what apartment to rent, what house to buy, what school to put your children in, what job to take or not to take, what person to marry or not to marry? Folks, you will not find answers to those questions in the Bible. What you will find is the specific word of God spoken through the Holy Spirit that says, don't buy that house, buy this house. 
Don't take this job, take that job. And God will confirm it through his word, but you can't find a scripture that says, go buy a house here, put your kids in this school district or homeschool them or whatever. There are questions that we need answers to. And folks, we need to hear the voice of God. How many long to hear the voice of God? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says it this way. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing there is the restoration, like, like restoring a piece of furniture, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, the Bible says a threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. Well, what is the threefold cord that God is talking about? Jesus answers the question in Matthew chapter 6, and he says it's giving, praying, and fasting. Everybody say giving, praying, and fasting. In the Sermon on the Mount, where he preached at the, at the Mount of Beatitudes, those of you who have been to Israel, you know right where he did it. In verse 3 of Matthew 6, he says, but when you give to the needy. Notice it says when you, not if you. Verse 5, Matthew chapter 6, and when you pray. Notice it says when and not if. Guess what else it's going to say when to you? Are you ready? Matthew 6, 16, and when you fast. And he goes on. When you pray, give, and fast at the same time, it is a threefold cord that cannot be quickly broken. Amen. It's a stronghold against the enemy, if you will. And one of the ways that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice to God is when we fast and we pray. Fasting keeps you sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Fasting enables you to be holy. It's like unclogging the airways so you can hear the voice of God with clarity. Is that important to anybody? To hear clearly what God is saying. In verse 2, he says that when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we will then know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How many want to know that for your life? Is that important to anybody besides me in here? Does anybody want desperately to know, God, what is your will? What is your direction? In Acts chapter 9, when Paul had his road to Damascus experience, uh, the Bible says he fasted and he prayed. And at the end of the fasting and the praying, God said, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to tell you who to go to, and they're gonna, you're going to receive your sight. They're going to lay hands on you, and you're going to be healed. And then I'm going to tell you what direction to go and where to go. And that started Paul's journey in life where you find several times in the Scriptures him fasting and praying and him hearing the voice of God and doing amazing things for God. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 through 4, the Bible says, Now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, I'm t- just hear that, as they prayed and fasted and worshiped, the Holy Spirit said, There is something about fasting and praying that God starts speaking. It's not that he's not speaking before. It's that now you can hear him. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. I've got an assignment for them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. The two of them sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. By who? By the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia and sailed there from Cyprus. 
fasting enabled them to hear the voice of God. And God said, I got two people with a special call and a special assignment and send them off. Pray for them. Bless them so that they can go do the work that they need to. Fasting will give you answers to the call of God on your life. Fasting will give you answers for questions you have. Many years ago, Holly's Uncle Jerry and, uh, and her Aunt Betty, they, I was talking to him. They had just bought a house that they currently live in. And we were riding somewhere. We were visiting them. And, and I said, hey, I like your house, Jerry. I said, how'd you find it? He said, Dallas. He said, funny thing. He said, I fasted and prayed for three days. He said, we kept looking and looking at this house and that house and nothing was working out. He said, I decided to go on a three-day fast. He said, and I fasted for three days. And he said, I didn't feel a thing. I didn't hear God speak. I didn't feel anything. He said, as a matter of fact, at the end of three days, he said, I thought, well, so what? You know, why did I even go hungry for those three days? What good did it even do? And when he got up the next morning, he was feeling discouraged. That day, he got a phone call from the realtor said, hey, I want you to come see a, a house that we haven't shown you yet. Yeah, okay. And he said, when he walked in the doors, he said, the Lord said, this is your house. He said, Dallas, he said, I learned something about it. He said, fasting and praying, God will give you direction. And he said, and I thought it was a waste of time. I didn't feel one thing. When you fast and pray, you might not feel a thing, but rest assured, God will give you direction and answer. Somebody say amen. I don't know about you, but that's been my prayer already, God. During this fasting, this time of 21 days of fasting and praying, we're going to start tomorrow. And for those of you that will join me, we're going to fast and pray for 21 days, different types of fasts, and we're going to talk about that. But my point is, is what my prayer has already been, God, my number one prayer, I want to hear your voice more clearly. I want to hear you speak all year in all situations and everything that arises because stuff happens and we need to hear from God. Amen. Point number two in this message is fasting releases supernatural benefits. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 through 29. If you've been in church long, you're familiar with this. It says, and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many want that? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. How many want that desperately for your children and grandchildren? How many want it for your loved ones and your friends and family? Oh, God, pour out your spirit. How many want it for our community and for our church? He said afterwards he would do this. Well, after what? Well, if you go a little earlier in the chapter, in chapter, in, in chapter 2, and verse 15, he said, blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a... Holy fast. Call a sacred assembly. God was going to pour out the Holy Spirit after they had fasted and prayed. I don't know about you, but I'm ready for some of those afterward blessings. I'm ready for some of those afterwards pouring out of the Holy Spirit. I'm ready for some of those afterwards healings and miracles where the doctor says it was there, but now it's gone. Woo! Where the, where the couple calls the lawyers and says, I know you've been working and we'll pay you what we owe you, but we've decided divorce is not an option anymore. We're going to stay married. Where people on addictions will say, I'm no longer going to smoke that dope. I'm no longer going to shoot up with that heroin. I am going to be free. Somebody say amen. Does anybody believe this? 
His promise, should they fast and repent. He was saying, you guys have got sin in your life. He said, if you'll fast and pray and repent, I will pour out the Holy Spirit and I'll bless you with all kinds of blessings on the land. Man, I'm ready to see seasons of 50 people saved in one service. Of people with stage 4 cancer go to the doctor and say, well, I I don't know. I'm holding this and I see this, but now I'm looking at this and it's gone. I'm looking for those kind of miracles. I believe it. I've seen it with my eyes. I've experienced. I've seen God heal miraculously people. I watched one girl. She had scoliosis so bad. One leg was longer than the other. And I physically watched it grow out evenly. And she never had another back problem. I watched it happen. I've seen the miracles of God. God healed my broken wrist on a softball field instantly before. I'm telling you, I know the power of God is real. Woo! Man, I get excited. Pastor, I see that jig. Hey, you should have seen it last night when the Patriots lost. Hallelujah, they're gone. Mark chapter 2, verse 18 through 22. Watch this. How many of you want a new and a fresh anointing? Now, John's disciples, I used to not understand this passage here. And then one day God revealed to me the understanding. Now, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast? While he's with them. They cannot so long as they have them with them. Verse 20. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day they will fast. They will fast. Has the bridegroom been taken from us? Yes. Is he in heaven? So what does the next three words say? They will fast. No one sews a patch. Here's what I never understood. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. Verse 22. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Jesus had just got done telling the Pharisees that his disciples would fast when they were gone. Watch this. Fasting is what prepares you and I for a new anointing. Jesus said, you don't take new wine and pour it in an old wineskin because the new wine will burst the old wineskin. When you fast and pray, God gives you a new wineskin spiritually to receive his new fresh anointing oil. When we fast and pray, what we're saying is, God, I want a fresh anointing. I want a new anointing of your spirit for this year. And God says, okay, fast and shed the old skin, spiritually speaking, metaphorically speaking. And when you get a new skin, when you get a new, a new, a new uh, uh, metaphorically a soul, if you will, I will pour out fresh oil, fresh new anointing that will transform your life. How many want that in their life? Fasting flushes your soul a junk And it fills your tank with the good anointing oil of God. Man, I was so depressed one year. I was so destitute. I was so, I had a quitting spirit. I would just, this has happened one year in my ministry. You go through cycles in life. 
And I was just in a place where I just was ready to quit. Throw in the towel. I had all I could stand. And I thought, well, I'm going to fast and pray before I make some big decision like that. And I don't know how to tell you other than during the course of that fast that God began to shed some of that junk. I could literally feel the Spirit of God flush out discouragement. Flush out disillusionment. Flush out depression. Flush out a quitting spirit. And flush in the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness. Kindness, temperance, faith. Against such there is no law. And by the end of that 21 days, I felt renewed. It was like God had taken me apart. Cleaned out all the old junk and refurbished me brand new. I had a fresh fire in my spirit. I had fresh vision to see what God was trying to show. I could hear clearly the voice of God. I want to tell you something. If you need a good cleansing, I want to tell you if you'll fast and pray, God will flush out all that junk and he'll fill you with fresh encouragement, fresh hope, fresh faith, fresh joy, fresh peace, the fresh word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Point number three is this. Fasting will help you defeat the enemy. How many want to defeat the enemy? Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 through 4. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with, with some of the uh, Meunites, <laughs> these are hard words, <laughs> came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Engedi. It's right on the Dead Sea. In other words, the enemy's close. Verse 3. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. So Judah's fasting, right? They're, the Women, children, everybody. They're fasting. They need to hear from God. They need God to move. They got a real problem on their hands and they need a miracle. Maybe you're here today and you say, I need a miracle. If you'll fast and pray, God will show you where to go and what to do and how to get that miracle. So while they're fasting and praying, watch what happens in verse 14 through 17. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah. Notice how many times that fasting and praying is connected to the Holy Spirit moving. The son of Benaiah, the son of Jeel, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, a descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly and he said... Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem. This is what the Lord what? When you fast and pray, the Holy Spirit moves and then he what? Speaks. He says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. It's not that God doesn't realize it's a vast army. He, he recognizes it. But he says the battle is not yours but God's. Under the revelation and the prophetic word of God, there's somebody in here. You are trying to figure out how you're going to win this battle. You're overwhelmed. I don't know who I'm speaking to. You're overwhelmed. You think there's no way. I can't do it. And God is saying, you're right. The battle's not yours. It's mine. Woo! The battle's not yours. It's God's. When you fast in prayer, releases God to do that. Watch what he says. He says, tomorrow march down against them. So he's giving them instructions. Our little piddly army against this grand army, you want me to charge them? 
They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. You know, the, God will always snuff the enemy out. He'll always tell you when a trap's coming. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeru. He tells them right where they're going to be. You will not have to fight this battle. Man, there's somebody here, you're trying to figure out, how am I going to get my loved ones saved? You just pray God to allow them to receive the salvation of the Lord, receive and to enlighten the eyes of their understanding, to bind the God of this world from blinding their eyes to the glorious gospel of Jesus, and to open their eyes to the glorious gospel of Jesus, and watch what God does. He says, take up your positions. Get in your place. That's why it's so important to be on the dream team. Find your spot. Stand firm. And see the deliverance the Lord will give you. Man, I'm preaching to somebody. The prophetic word God is trying to tell somebody. You will see the answer to your long-awaited prayers this year. You will see the deliverance. You will see that family member come to the Lord. You will see it. You shall surely see it. I'm telling you, I believe, I'm not just saying that. I feel that deep in my spirit. There's some of you, you're tired of fighting. You're just tired. And I feel like God is having me to tell you, rest in Him. Fast and pray and rest in Him and watch Him fight that battle. Woo! He said, take up your position, stand firm, see the deliverance of the Lord will give you Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged or afraid of the doctor's report or what you see happening. Go out and face them tomorrow. Face your battle tomorrow. And the Lord will be what? Man, they're fasting and praying and they get marching orders and they get, look at the encouragement they got and they heard from God. I want you to remember the Holy Spirit will speak to us and give us direction during this fast. He'll give us direction on decisions, listen, that will save us headaches for years to come. There's some decisions if you make, they don't just have a consequence for a day or two or a week. It's decades. And when you fast and pray, God will say, don't do that. Do this. And you'll look back and say, thank God I did. How many can testify to that? So in verse 18 through 21, I won't put it on the overhead, but man, they're all excited. They hear from God. They step out and they march out and they do exactly what God says do. They're encouraged by the word of God. Verse 22. As they began to sing in praise in the face of the enemy, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. You know what's cool about God? The enemy sets a trap and tries to ambush you. When you fast and pray and seek him, he turns it around on his head. The enemy thinks he's ambushing you, and God will ambush the enemy. I love it. The enemy don't even realize he's being ambushed. He's being set up. He's being set up for a defeat. Oh, you say, well, how does that happen? Well, you know what happened? Here's how it works. kind of like this. you got a lost loved one, maybe a kid that's on skid row, and they're addicted to drugs, and they just don't want anything to do with God. And you say, God, what are we going to do? And the devil thinks he's got them, and all of a sudden, they encounter Jesus. Maybe it's in a church service. Maybe it's a small group in your living room. Maybe it's in a conversation in their, in their living room by, with someone else. Maybe it's just a dream they have with God. Whatever the case, they meet Jesus 
not only are they saved, now God uses them in ministry to save hundreds, if not thousands, of other people. You know what? The devil thought he had them, and he's the one that got ambushed. God said, not only will I save them and deliver them, I'm going to use them to save others. I'm going to ambush the enemy. I know what I'll do. I'll give Pastor Dallas's daughter diabetes, and I'll, and I'll make her life a mess, and, and she'll hate the disease, and, and you'll be driven crazy by it. But you know what? The Lord, I ambush the enemy. God will heal her one day because it's coming. Amen. And I believe for every day she's had it, she'll lay hands on sick, and they'll be healed. And the devil don't even know it yet, but he's being ambushed. Man, I've come to tell somebody that God will ambush the devil. He'll give you victory and then use you to set other people free. You say, Pastor, that sounds good and all. I am a living example. I was messed up with emotional wounds and addictions and a total mess. Broke every commandment you can possibly imagine. Well, I didn't physically kill anybody, but I hated them, so I murdered them in my heart. And you name it, all that kind of stuff. No, I didn't commit adultery on Holly. I know some of you right now, you think. Oh my God, did he commit it? But at one time, there were, there has been times where I did lust in my heart. Jesus said I committed adultery in my heart. So while I didn't do it physically, I did do it emotionally and internally. Oh my God, Pastor. You know what? We get a lot more freedom if we just get real in the church. I like what one pastor said. He said, you ever lusted after a girl in your heart? And he goes, no. He said, well, are you homosexual? <laughs> in other words, liar, liar, pants on fire. At some point in time, you have. And at some point, we've lied. And at some point, we've had unforgiveness in our heart. And if we're not careful, it turns into hatred and we've murdered. You say, oh, my God, what is wrong with pastor? Pastor's just being real with you. Let me tell you something. But when we get in the presence of God, we'll be set free. Amen. We will be set free and delivered. Can anybody hear what I'm trying to say? Pastor, you don't understand. My car broke down and it's a $1,000 bill. And, and now I don't have the money because I gave it to the wells in Africa. God, you had me give, and now what am I going to do? The devil try and trip you up. Am I preaching to anybody? Have you ever given before in the obedience of God, and something happened, and your thought was, well, if I hadn't gave, anybody want to raise their hand? I've been there. Come on, let's see an honesty analysis here. Come on, I'm spilling my dirty little guts today. You spill them too. If you're new here, we're real in this church. Amen. We got problems, but we've got a Savior whose grace is greater. Hey. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> That's why we love Jesus. <laughs> Woo, I'm feeling good. Man, almost as good as watching the Patriots lose last night. But you know what? 
All of a sudden, somebody calls you out of the blue. You're sitting around going, how am I going to pay this $1,000 bill? And I gave to Africa. And now I'm ticked off because now what am I going to do, God? And out of the blue, somebody calls and says, hey, the Lord told me to give you $1,000. Something wrong with your car. I want to pay that bill for you. And you go back and God says, hey, you don't ever give to me that I don't take care of you. Can anybody witness to this? Ooh. Pastor, I want to hear what else you got to say. Good, I'm going to preach on 2 Chronicles 20, 23 through 25. Watch what happens when the enemy got ambushed. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, all they saw was dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. They didn't know what was going on. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder. And they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing. And also articles of value more than they could take away. They were so much plunder it took three days to collect. It all started when they fasted and prayed. They fasted and prayed. God fought the battle. They got double for their trouble. It took them no, no days to fight. All they did was walk up and take three days to walk away with the blessings. Listen, Jesus Christ has already fought and given us the victory. It's done. All we got to do is receive it all and walk off. Amen. And say, thank you for that blessing. Thank you for that healing. Thank you for saving my loved one. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for peace. Thank you for joy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so blessed. Is anybody blessed? The battle is the Lord's. We were fasting and praying last year. We had some real budgetary issues. And we had, we had a mess. Some of you don't realize how bad it was. Myself and the elders do. It was a mess. And we got down. We started fasting and praying. And I, I just was determined. I'm on 21 days. This was not during the normal 21-day fast. I'm going to fast and pray for 21 days. And I was determined. And day eight, I woke up in the morning. I just felt released. And, and I said, Oh, no, devil, you ain't getting me to eat. And I just, I felt God say, no, it's time to eat. I was so puzzled, and I felt driven. So I ate, went to the office, almost embarrassed. I said, Dale, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I, I don't know. This morning I felt the fast was over, and it was done. And so I ate. He said, oh, okay. About an hour later, he said, Pastor, we just heard from the theater. They're going to give us a 40% reduction in our rent every week. It's done. That's the kind of stuff that happens when you fast and pray. Jesus fasted. Why did Satan, listen, why did Satan try to get Jesus to turn stones into bread? He was trying to get him to use his power for himself instead of serving, up, serving others. And Jesus understood that. Jesus also understood that he was determined to finish his fast. Because he realized that there are some things and benefits that happen through fasting that cannot be released otherwise. And so did the devil. So after following the 40-day fast, miracles, signs, all the miracles just about you see in the Bible from Jesus happened after that. Here's my question to you. If Jesus Christ could have accomplished everything on earth that he came to do without fasting, then why did he fast? If Jesus thought it was necessary to fast, how much more you and I? Now, this next few minutes of this message, I don't know who this is for, but God's going to speak to some of this. This is not for everybody, and I understand that. 
Bear with me and listen. Matthew 12, 24. But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, The man cast out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Everybody say Beelzebub. Beelzebub means Lord of the dung or Lord of the flies. That's what he was named in the Greek. In studying flies or just about any insect species, you'll find that their reproductive cycles go anywhere from a few days to 40 days at the longest. That's why in order to exterminate uh, an infestation of flies or insects for a farmer, they spray uh, pesticides for 40 consecutive days to utterly destroy them. If you stop short of the 40 days, you may kill the existing generation, but the next generation will pop up. Just as spraying pesticides for a full 40 days eliminates natural insects and pests and flies, so fasting and praying for 40 days will destroy an infestation of Beelzebub's demons. Hear what I'm saying. Jesus didn't fast for 12 days, 32 days, or but 40 full days. I don't know who this is for, but I'm speaking to somebody. John 14, 30, here's what Jesus said. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Watch what Jesus says, and he has nothing in me. Why? Because Jesus defeated him with a 40-day fast. That's how he defeated the temptations, and the rest of his, never. we don't have anything in common. The Lord of the flies has been totally and utterly defeated. Some of you may be battling some pesky sins. Maybe you're free from taking a peek at pornography for a little while, and then you go back. Maybe it's lust or perversion or unforgiveness or pride or something. that You get victory for a little while and then you go back. It's like those pesky insects come back. I'm telling you, I don't know who this is for, but God will speak to you. You'll know who it is. There's somebody here. I think there's multiple people. You need to consider a full 40-day fast to get total and utter and complete freedom. Flies represent demons in the word as well as other animals, fowls of the air and serpents and snakes and scorpions and all that stuff. These demon spirits attach themselves to our lives, lives through generational curses, sin, perversion, lust, rebellion, pride, unforgiveness, all this stuff. And the problem with most Christians and churches is they, they get the spiritual flies water and they do the right thing for a few days and they get relief and they think, oh, I'm free. Listen, for some things you need a 40-day fast. I've done it before. It was one year we were going to do a 21 day as fast as a, as a church. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, you're going to do 40. He said, you need some freedom and some stuff. And for 40 days, I fasted. I alternated. One week I did three days total fast, four days Daniel. The next week I swapped it. When it was all said and done, I did 21 days total fast and 19 days Daniel fast. I did a full 40 days. And I'm telling you, there was some stuff that was destroyed from my life that's never come back. One of the greatest fasts I ever did. I've done this once. I can't remember if I've done it twice. The Lord led me to a 40-day media fast. He said, no media, no television, no movies, no internet, no newspaper, no news, nothing from the outside world. Now you're going to be in conversations and hear somebody say, did you hear? But I didn't do it. I, I cut all that out. I was amazed at how much more time I had every day. I was blown away when I got all that stuff flushed out for 40 days, how great I felt in my spirit. And I didn't fast any food on that one. I just fasted all the stuff from the world. No television, no movies, nothing. No internet. No social media. None of it. I cut it all out. 
You say, Pastor, you're really out there. Look, there's sometimes I want freedom and I want breakthrough. And I'll do what I got to do to get it. Amen? It's there for us. Are we willing to pray and fast to receive it? And again, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but somebody in here, you're going, my God, I got to do that. Those two stories I did not have in this message until this morning. I felt a burden to share them with you. I've been there. I've done it. It works. Ecclesiastes 10.1 says this. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. Flies would get in that special anointing oil, and they would get stuck, and they would die, and they would ruin the anointing oil. You know what happens? Our worship gets polluted by flies of lust and perversion and pride and unforgiveness, and the list goes on. And we don't even realize we're offering stinking anointing up to God. We need to get rid of the flies in our business and our home and our family and in our lives. Pastor, this is strong. I know it's strong. And I'm preaching as the Lord has given me. I believe it's time to do it. We need to get rid of the flies. And it's going to take more than a fly swatter to get rid of Beelzebub's flies. For you Daniel fasters, listen, God will take notice when your office goes out to eat. Listen, let me just tell you now. If you've never fasted, you're going to have more birthday parties. You're going to have more lunch invitations and dinner invitations than you've ever had in your entire life. And your office is going to say, lunch is on us today. And you're going to go and they're going to be ordering 24-ounce T-bones. And they're going to have hot apple pie. And they're going to have Cokes. And they're going to, I mean, the list is going to go on. And you're going to sit there and you're going to eat your little salad. And your baked potato with nothing on it. And drink your ice water and think, my Lord, what in the world am I doing? But God will take notice. And as you do that for the glory of God, God gets out his fly water and says, kapow, kapow, kapow. And you get victory. Does anybody want victory in this house? Can you forego a Snickers bar at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to get some freedom and deliverance? To hear from God? Last point, point number four, and I'm almost done. Fasting renews you spiritually. It breaks the world's routine. It's a form of worship that will humble you, that God will fill you. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Are you hungry this morning? Are you hungry? Listen, if you're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit in here, listen to this little scripture, Acts 10, 31 through 32. Or 31, 30 through 31. So Cornelius said, four days ago I was what? Fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour I prayed in my house. Behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. Your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Chapter 10, verse 44 through 46. While Peter was still speaking these words, preaching the gospel to Cornelius and his family, the Holy Spirit came. What is it again? Fasting and praying and the Holy Spirit what? Comes. Every time you see it in Scripture, over and over, came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking with God and, and in tongues and praising God. Fasting will bring total and complete victory. I'll close this little story and then we're going to pray. You find the story in the book of Judges 19 and 20. A man comes with his concubine from the, from the land uh, to the land of Gebeah, the Benjamites. And this one guy comes out. He says, hey, you don't need to stay out here. Come stay in my house. 
Well, the perverted men of the city come beating on the door and say, send the man out. We're going to rape him all night. Well, he throws the concubine out. She gets raped all night, gets to the threshold of the door and dies. The next morning, he walks, sees her dead, chops her up in 12 pieces. That's what the Bible says. Sends her throughout all the people of Israel and says, God forbid you've let this happen in Israel. Well, Israel gets inflamed and they come to fight Benjamin. So they come before God and this is what they say. God, should we go out in battle? God says go. The first day they lost 22,000 soldiers. They come back reeling. God, I thought you said go. God said, I did say go, go. They lost 18,000 the next day. So they've lost 40,000 troops in two days. They finally get down and they say, okay, we got to figure out what's going on here. Judges chapter 20, verse 26. Then all the Israelites, the whole army went to Bethel. And there they sat weeping before the Lord. They fasted that day until evening and presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings to the Lord. Now they're not just going asking. Now they're going weeping with a penitent heart and they're fasting. Verse 34 through 35. Then 10,000 of Israel's able young men made a frontal attack on Gebeah. The fighting was so heavy that the Benjamites did not realize how near disaster uh, was. The Lord defeated Benjamin before Israel. And on that day, the Israelites struck down 25,100 Benjamites, all armed with swords. They defeated their enemy. Folks, there are some breakthroughs that just won't happen to you fast and pray. And I want to tell you, I want to encourage you with all my heart and soul to fast and pray. Maybe you only eat one meal a day. Maybe you fast all day and just eat dinner. Maybe you total fast. Maybe you Daniel fast. You eat the seed or what comes from the seed. We've got resources on our website we're posting. You can look at all this stuff. Some of you have fasted before. I appeal to you. Fast and pray. Find a way to fast and pray and let God pour into your spirit. I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and we're going to, we're going to pray for you. There's several people in here that need. The Bible says to call for the elders of the church. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. If you're in here under the sound of my voice today, and you say, I, I need a miracle. I, it may be a minor miracle. To you it seems little, but to God it's important. If that's you, I want you to stand. And I, I, I'd like, if you're physically able, I'd like for you to stand. We're going to pray for Tanya Mills. I know we've got Brother Vince in here somewhere. We're going to pray for him. How many of you need special prayer this morning? It's okay to need special prayer. Look, I've had some kind of sinus stuff going on since before Thanksgiving. I feel okay, but I'm so tired of all the junk in my head. It's giving me headaches. I can't get it cleared out. It's just, I just want to be free from it, okay? I'm tired of dealing with it. It's like a nuisance little spider web. I'm tired of this. Get rid of this thing. Brother Rob had prayer for me today. It's okay to pray for stuff like that. Amen? Is it, is it okay? Does anybody want prayer? If you need prayer, I want you to stand to your feet. Some of our prayer team is going to come around right now. Grab your anointing oil. Matter of fact, where's the little box at? <clears throat> Part of the invitation today is for you. Part of the invitation today is for you to, to decide how would you fast? What will you do? What will you give up? Let the Lord speak to you.
you're standing, I want a prayer team member to come around and just begin to lay hands. If you need special prayer and you want a specific person to pray, I want you to come down here. We're going to do that with you right now. Go ahead and lead us in worship. Come on, everybody. Join in worship and pray right now.